0: Coming up today on the Lead Lead to to Succeed Succeed podcast.
1: As a leader, no one's going to follow you because you want them to or because you need them to or because you're a really nice person. They're going to follow you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so
0: than by not doing so. Do you want to learn the tricks the top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help. Lead to Succeed picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, Episode 17. This episode's interesting fact is, several studies have suggested that when you give to others, your generosity is likely to be rewarded by others down the line, sometimes by the person you gave to, sometimes by someone else. Our guest for this episode is an expert on giving. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking to Bob Berg. Bob is a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a former U.S. president. Bob is the author of many books on sales, marketing, and influence, with total book sales of well over a million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, has sold over half a million copies and has been translated into 21 languages. It has been released in a new expanded edition with a foreword by Huffington Post founder and publisher, Ariana Huffington. Bob, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you, Natali. I appreciate being with you. It it really is an honor. And uh, actually, uh, Lead to Succeed Nation should know that I I found Bob initially when I was doing some research on Leading Leadership Podcast. So clearly you are somebody who brings tremendous experience as well as knowledge and insight. And uh, I'm really, really excited that you're with us and have a lot of questions to get into. And and with your permission, I'd love to start with the book writing. I actually just authored a book recently, Becoming the New Boss. And I'd like to get a little bit more insight from your experience. So what was it uh, that motivated you to start writing? And what benefits have you enjoyed along the way as a result of that effort?
1: Yes. And congratulations on your new book. What really got me started was very utilitarian reasons. I remember I was, I had been speaking for about three years, had a, a series of, uh, CD programs. Actually, I don't even think they were CDs. I think at that time they were I <laughs> was at a, a meeting of the uh, National Speakers Association and several of them said to me, Berg, you need to write a book. I said, why? They said, because if you do that, you're going to be more marketable, better positioned as an expert. You'll be able to get higher fees and you'll be able to share your message with a lot more people. Well, that sounded pretty reasonable. So I wrote a book and, uh, that first one was called Endless Referrals, which was basically a book on how to network in such a way that you could very comfortably build no, like and trust relationships with people leading to more business and referrals. And, uh, and yes, it, it, now it was not something where I got a lot of calls from companies to have me in after they read the book, but I used it as an outgoing marketing tool. And it was absolutely a fantastic positioning tool.
0: Beautiful. So tell us a little bit more, if you don't mind, stay on that book for a second, because I think relationships is really so important, especially today. I'm actually reading uh, or listening to, I should say, a book by Dan Pink that I think it is To Sell is Human. Oh, I believe that's wonderful the title. Book.
1: It is yeah. the title. It's a great book.
0: Fantastic. So, so tell us a little bit more, please, about what you think to be the essence of relationship building and why that really drives sales.
1: Oh, well, I, I think the base, and this is really the, the whole basic premise of the go-giver, which is the, the business parable uh, with John oh, That was David my next ben. question.
0: So that's perfect. Yeah, well, right it ahead.
1: ties right in. And the message is basically this, shifting one's focus, and this is what's so key, shifting one's focus from getting to Giving. Now, when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others and understanding that doing so is not only a nice way, not only a pleasant way of conducting business. It happens to be the most financially profitable way as well. Why? Because really, no one, if we're talking about the sales context, no one's going to buy from you because you need the money. They're not going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. They're not even going to buy from you because you're a really nice person. They're going to buy from you because they believe that they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so as a leader. No one's going to follow you because you want them to or because you need them to or because you're a really nice person. They're going to follow you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so (laughs) as such. When we can move from what we call an I focus or me focus to an other focus, looking for ways to bring value to others, that's when people feel good about you. It's when they know you, they like you, they trust you. Simon Sinek in his wonderful book Leaders Eat Last, he wrote, and I love this: trust is a biological reaction to the belief that someone has our well-being at heart. Mm. Very powerful. That's really the core premise. And so, when we talk about, uh, you, uh, we go back to the go giver, building relationships. How you're always giving value to others, and the key premise, I guess you will, or the underlying premise of endless referrals was that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to, and we could also say and follow those people they know, like, and trust.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic, and. Certainly, I would encourage Lead to Succeed Nation to go get the Go-Giver that Bob, again, uh, co-authored as well as to listen to his podcast, which I'm sure he'll talk about later, also by the same title. But before we go any further, uh, give us some examples, please, about how you can give value to others. What are some practical ways? Uh, obviously, some people are dealing with uh, services and whatnot, and, and maybe they're, they're sharing their ideas or content online. What are some examples that you have found really work well that let people believe that you have something meaningful for them and that relationship is is worth pursuing.
1: Well, I guess in a sense it's being there for someone when they need it and communicating that you're there for them even before they, they might need it. Giving value to someone is providing information that would be helpful. It's providing connections that will be helpful to them. It's referring business to them whenever you can do so. It also means that you distinguish yourself and your product or service by uh, by what we call the five elements of of value, which are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. It means in everything you do and everything you bring to the table, you, you approach it with excellence. It means you're uh, consistent. They, this, you're the same person every day, every week, every month. You're the same person. And that's there's a lot of value to that because we live in an inconsistent world but also a world in which based on you know millions of years or whatever of development uh we crave consistency in others sure being empathetic to another person there's huge value in that i think empathy is probably the most important human skill mm-hmm. and the most important sales skill And so, you know, when we take all those, it's gratitude, it's, it's appreciating others. And as you know, when you appreciate others, they grow, they appreciate, and they feel good about themselves.
0: You should know, Bob, that one, you know, I want to take our listeners a little bit behind the curtain here. As I, as I listen to conversations, I'm writing notes as we, as we're talking just to identify points, which perhaps I can dig a little bit deeper with. And I am writing at a really rapid clip because you've got such great content here. So much gold to mine. Uh, One point that you mentioned, which I know I struggle with a little bit, and I have a funny feeling that others who are listening to this podcast uh, struggle with as well, is the topic of consistency. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether it's a matter of being consistent in terms of my social media or other posts, whether it relates to consistency of messaging or uh, availability, whatever it was that you talked about, and then some. What are some tips that you could recommend for people who are struggling in that area? to become more consistent so that they create the kind of persona and relationship that people really want to connect with?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think like anything else, first, it's it's having an understanding of why it's so important, because if we don't see it as something of importance and if we don't see and if it is an issue in our life, but we don't recognize it as an issue, we're not going to do anything about it. So first, it's, it's simply understanding why it's it's so important. And once we see that now we're in a position to be able to to do the things that are going to help us be more consistent. I think first it's building on your small successes. It's understanding that if you you want to be consistent in writing a blog post, well, don't start by writing one every day. It's very difficult to be consistent trying to write a daily blog post. I know people who do it. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. (laughs) I agree. Yeah,
0: that's a tough one.
1: Right. But if you can do one a week or one a month, you can stay consistent that way. And then, you know, if it's a matter of making having to make 10 or 15 sales calls a day or having five or six conversations with people you're leading. And and if it's a matter of just look at what you can do, don't try to do everything, but look what you can do and what you can succeed in and then build on your small successes. Don't try to go for everything at once. It's debilitating and it, it it's a recipe for failure.
0: Oh, uh, that's, that's fantastic. I I really like the idea of starting small, but being, I mean, I would add a little bit, perhaps you actually said this and I missed it, but the idea of maybe stretching yourself a little bit, but all Mm -hmm. within reason, something that you feel you genuinely can commit to and stick with because once you do that, you know, you're really building uh, momentum. And then it becomes easier. You know, like when I started this podcast, for example, so everything was, new. It was kind of like riding a bike for the first time. You know, you've got mm-hmm. so many things to think about. It's not automated in your mind. You're, you're just looking through all of your notes and trying to check off all the boxes. Right. And I still do that to a degree because I still want to make sure I don't miss anything. But the idea really is, is that as you become more and more comfortable, you start figuring out ways by which you could perhaps shorten the process a little bit, find a way to add a little bit more as mm-hmm. far as content and value. So I, I'm sure that that is something that you're doing regularly. And that is something that I have found uh, has worked for me.
1: Sure, no, that's great advice.
0: So let's, let's stay in the general space. We haven't really called anything that we've talked about yet leadership, but I know that sales really is leadership in many ways. And of course, sharing ideas and content is a leadership concept as well. But because this really is a leadership conversation and podcast, first and foremost, I wanted to get your take, Bob, on your definition of leadership. What does it mean to you? How important is it to the organizations and the people that you serve? Well,
1: I think leadership is everything. I think it all begins and ends with leadership. And I love when, uh, where, where Dr. John Maxwell defines leadership as influence, nothing mm-hmm. more, nothing less. And if you, if you take that premise then you've got to ask yourself the question also, what is influence? Because I I agree. I believe leadership is influence. I I totally agree with him. So let's define influence. And we can, of course, we can say that's the definition of leadership as well. But just taking it from the premise of what is influence. Well, on a very, very basic level, influence can be defined as the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal, let's say. Now, that is the definition of influence, but I do not believe that it's the essence of influence. I believe the essence of influence is pull, pull as opposed to push, as in Mm -hmm. how far can you push a rope And, you know, we know the answer is not very far, at least not very fast or very effectively. (laughs) And that's why great leaders, great influencers, sustainably great influencers don't don't push. You rarely hear someone say, wow, that Dave or that Mary, she is just she is so influential. She has a lot of push with people right now. Mm -hmm. She has a lot of. Pull because that's what it is. Now see, so I see influence as an attraction. Great, that's what pull. You know, great leaders, great influencers attract people first to themselves and only then to their ideas. Yeah. And again, they do this right not through pushing their will on others or pushing themselves on others or manipulating others or being pushed e, but through that that gentle pull. And I think to do that, the best ones constantly. Ask themselves questions. They check themselves, right, for for intent, and the, so, such as how does what I'm asking this person to do? How does what I'm asking this person to do? How does it align with their goals, right, with their values, with their needs, their wants, mm-hmm. their desires? And we when we put that focus on them now, and and we ask ourselves those questions thoughtfully and intelligently, and genuinely. Now we've come a lot closer to earning that person's or that team's commitment as opposed to
0: compliance. Wow, what a powerful answer. There are actually two things that really came to mind while you were talking. Number one is I think I heard a similar definition. I'm listening to another audiobook which is really great, called The Servant from James Hunter. And in that story that is told, I'm not sure if it's fictitious or if it's real, but nonetheless, the idea of transitioning from a me first leader to really a we first leader with a lot of listening, mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of focus on what really influences the difference between power and authority. There's so much depth there. And when you talked mm-hmm. about pull, as in attraction, <laughs> as in bringing somebody, you know, but doing so in a fascinating way. Asking you said yourself questions. You as the leader asking yourself questions about what the others need and what they want and that type of thing. Because I really thought you were going to say asking others the questions. And I guess you probably have to be doing both because you can't get that information if you don't ask them. But at the same time, what I think you're saying, and tell me if, if I got this right, is that you need to constantly check yourself against that information and insight that you've picked up from others to make sure that you remain aligned in terms of the type of leadership that you're providing.
1: Oh, I agree with you totally, because remember, as human beings, we are self interested creatures sure it's it's how we survive, you know how we 've survived through through the millennia but uh or through the ages but so yes we are we are self interested organisms and it's natural, and to try to to deny that. It would not be productive because we are human beings. We are what we are. So what happens is, you know, what what we say, what John David Matt and I say is don't try to deny your self-interest or don't try to forego your self-interest. Simply temporarily suspend it. Put it aside. You know, it's like you go to a movie and there's the saying, uh, the the uh, willing suspension of disbelief. Right. Because we know it's a movie. We know it's a story. There's characters on screen. You've seen these characters before. You know that James Bond isn't really cracking a joke while some terrorist points a gun at his head. Of course not. But in order to, to enjoy the movie and feel the feelings and hit right, we, we suspend, we willingly suspend our disbelief. Well, let's willingly suspend our self interest. We don't have to forego it, but let's willingly suspend it so that we can instead focus on The others, because, you know, great leadership is never about the leader. Great influence is never about the influencer. And great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. It's always Mm -hmm. about the other person. It's about those you serve. It's about those whose lives you're trying to bring value to. And we can't read anyone's mind, but we can ask questions and we can ask questions and we can listen.
0: Yeah. And when you're talking about suspending self-interest, that's fascinating to me because really, in most cases, I would think even if a leader is doing all of these things and shunning the uh, self-interest for the time being, eventually that boomerang effect comes into play and the recognition, the credit the, 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 the lauding, all of that will eventually come. I'm kind of thinking of Jim Collins and the Mm -hmm. level five leader that he, that, that they describe. Mm -hmm. And this is really, it really fits in beautifully.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you look at the difference in in Jim Collins' book, good to great between the level four and the level five leader, both are just as talented as the other. Okay. But the level four leader, it's sort of all about them. Right, they're the celebrity leader. Sometimes, right, they're the person with the who is a real charismatic person, and it's sort of about the Lee
0: Iacocca type. Yeah.
1: Now, the level five, these are the people who it's not about them. They now they'll take the blame when things go wrong, but but they'll give the credit away. They're focused on those they lead. They're focused on developing leaders who will develop leaders who will develop leaders. When a level five leader leaves their organization they've left them equipped to run without them. With a the level four leader, sometimes when they go, the whole organization crumbles. Again, they're both talented, but it's where the focus is.
0: Sure. So what would you say, Bob, staying on the topic of leadership, what's a, what's a common myth about leadership that you think uh, part of your messaging is to try to debunk this idea that people have about what it is to be a leader?
1: I would say it sort of goes to what we're we're talking about that the leader that leadership is not a matter of of being some charismatic you know person who and when we say charismatic i mean in the outwardly charismatic sure. uh you know way no leadership is 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 often quiet it's kind now by the way differently even level five leaders not everyone has the same personality type so you know where di- different people do things different ways but i i think great leadership uh, i think the myth is that the, the leader is the the bossy kind of, you know, my way or the highway and the, you know, this and the, that. Yeah. Whereas really what leadership is, it's being able to to tap into it's 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 connecting the mission of the organization with the needs, wants, desires, goals, values of those you're leading and helping them to accomplish those.
0: Sure. Wow. So, would you say then that that is the main reason that so many people fail at leadership?
1: Well, that, and I think there's also something else, and that is that that often leaders are promoted a- along the ranks, and they may be great at a certain skill set mm. or a certain part, but when they when they jump up, when they get promoted to leadership they're not equipped. They really know nothing about leadership. And yeah. just because someone's good at what they do does not mean they're a good teacher. You know, the greatest athletes often make the worst coaches because it's yes. so natural for them. or they, They've been able to pick up things So that, that when someone is not as, you know, as, as naturally gifted as they are, they don't have the empathy and they're not able to. You've got a, a great scholar who's not necessarily a, a great teacher. Again, they don't. Yeah. So so I think we need to know that when someone comes up along the lines as a leader, they need to be taught. They need to be equipped. They need to be taught how to be a, a leader. And I went through that myself when I first when I was uh, the lead salesperson in an organization and I got bumped up to uh, sales manager, which is really the same in this sense, the same as sales leader. And I was a horrible leader. I knew nothing about leadership and I was kind of stuck. I had no clue what I was doing wrong. And it was at that point that I realized, hey, Berg, you know, <laughs> you have no idea what you're doing here. And I started reading about it and learning about it and and making leadership a priority.
0: Awesome. I'm glad you got, I'm glad you picked up on it on time because a lot of people <laughs> don't. And actually, it's very interesting. There were a couple of things I just jotted down as you were talking. First, I was thinking about the Michael Gerber E-Myth concept, the transition from the technician mm-hmm. to the manager, the technician to entrepreneur. And too often people remain. I actually just Uh, sent in to one of the publications that I write for, a blog post specific to this point. You know, are you, I think I called it, are you a leader, are you a technician in leader's clothing? Mm. And the idea really is, is that we need to leave behind our expertise if that's the reason we got promoted and find the new things, the new skills and the new uh, connectors, Mm. the communication, all of that, that's going to help me succeed in my next role and leave behind what we think, we were really good at in the past because nine times out of 10, not only will it not help you, it may actually hinder you because you're going to revert back to that rather than right. really work on the things you need to be working on. And actually that's the reason I wrote my book because I experienced something similar to what you were describing. I had been transitioned from a classroom teacher to a administrator, but really a part-time school administrator to eventually head of school. And mm. there were pieces in that journey, which frankly I had not been prepared for. And so I needed to learn a lot of things. And the reason I wrote the book is because I wanted it to be the guide that I wish I would have had in retrospect. Uh, That's kind of how I look at it. And I'm thinking a little bit also, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Carol Dweck and her work on mindset. Sure. But the notion of growth mindset, it sounds to me that sometimes we have kind of like a fixed mindset. I use this when I talk to educators and others, other leaders about the idea, like you said, that oftentimes if you look at, let's take baseball, basketball, many of the sports, the guy who's coaching the team, if he played at all, was often, you know, riding the bench. Not mm-hmm. necessarily a primary player in baseball, it's often a catcher, whether mm-hmm. it's Joe yeah, Girardi right. or Mike Sosha or many of the others, because they had to not only learn the game, but they mm-hmm. really had an opportunity to be much more analytical than those people who, typically speaking, just yep. were successful, you know, from their natural way of doing things. So those are great, great points. Oh, thanks. So- I, I wanted to uh, let's see over here. One last thing, if you don't mind, in this segment because you talked about it, you talked about you know failure, so to speak, or 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 learning on the way. Was there anything else in that uh, in that journey as you were transitioning into your manager role where you felt that um, you grew because of the the difficulties that you encountered at the beginning?
1: Yeah, I mean I think that was a big a big thing for me. Once I understood that uh not only was I a, a not a good leader, but that leadership was a thing. You know what I'm saying? I just didn't realize it was something different. I just thought it's just what you do and it's who you are and the fact is it's, it's like anything else it can be learned and and that's not to say some people don't have an inclination just like people have an inclination as an athlete or an inclination as a scholar, but nonetheless you don't have to, we don't have to have that. It can be, it is learned. And if you study it, and if you study the people who you admire and say, Hey, and you also learn from those people who don't necessarily do it well, you know, the sages, uh, asked who is a, a wise person. And they answered that person who learns from all others. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we can do that and we can, you know, what I what I often say, though, is learn from everyone, adapt their wisdom. Just don't adopt their personality because, <laughs> you know, we might look at a leader and love what this person does. And we love so much who they are and what they do. We try to be them. And yet our personalities are are not them. Sure. So we can still learn from them. We can adapt their wisdom, but we need to stay true to our authentic core.
0: Of course, I think that uh, that's a great point, but somewhat ironic because. As I think I mentioned to you in a recent communication, I was on your website and I saw that video where you were uh, imitating Zig Ziglar perfectly. (laughs) It was awesome, really, really Uh, was. So for a moment, I think you allowed yourself to kind of take on his personality as well. But that's a great point. And the idea that leadership is a thing, to me, that's like, I want to emblazon that on my wall. You know, it's not just another thing we do, but it's really a process we have to become better at. mm -hmm. What a great, great uh, way to end this segment. And we're now going to begin our rapid fire segment where we lift the curtain a little bit, give people a sense of Bob Berg, the person, uh, more so than just the leadership guru. Best thing about living in in South Florida, other than the weather.
1: Oh, wow. Because I was just about to say the weather.
0: (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Not getting off that easy.
1: Um, You know, I would say the nice people, but uh, there's nice people everywhere if you look for them.
0: Okay. If you could plaster a message on a massive billboard, what would it say?
1: make people feel genuinely good about themselves. Mm. If you keep that in mind, the world becomes a much better place. And even if other people aren't doing it, if you do that, it becomes a much better place for you.
0: Mm. Sounds like something I think I heard from Mary Kay. That's beautiful. Book you most often gift or recommend? Oh, other than the go-giver. Oh, no, I, I, I don't recommend my own <laughs> books. I
1: don't, I don't learn anything from my books. Uh, it sort of depends on the genre that someone is looking for. But I would say, but there's a book that was written in the 1960s that didn't get published till about seven or eight years ago by a man named Harry Brown, B-R-O-W-N-E, called The Secret of Selling Anything. It was really more about simply understanding and respecting and working within human nature in order to succeed in different areas of your life. And it was an absolutely beautiful and beautifully written book on really, uh, again, human nature. Mm. Uh, So the selling is just a part of it. That was the MacGuffin part. That was what it ostensibly was about, but it was really about so much more uh, than that. And by the way, his, the secret that he talks about, the secret of selling is simply discover what the other person wants and help them to get it.
0: That sounds like a universal concept. So even though it was written way back when, uh, it's as applicable today that's fantastic thank you bob oh, so let's take a moment now for you to share a little bit more about your work how can people get in touch with you give us a little bit more insight into your professional practice
1: really the the best way is to visit the go giver without the hyphen the go giver.com and there they can uh, uh, check out the books and get chapter 1 to see if they like it and they can check out the website they can join our go giver movement uh, and we also have various courses there and so forth. So yeah, thego giver. dot com and hang around and connect with me online and and uh, we'll all have a lot of fun together.
0: Fantastic! And we're going to include all of Bob's links in the show notes. So make sure to connect with him and to uh, really get inspired by his fantastic work. And uh, I would be remiss, Bob, if I didn't ask you to leave us, please, with one final life lesson. I know you have so much to share, but something that lead to Succeed Nation could take away from this fantastic conversation that we've had that really will inspire them moving forward.
1: Well, you know, I often talk about people skills as being the differentiator, as, uh, you know, technical skills are very, very important. Job skills, very, very important. Knowing how to do the thing, very, very important. And yet what separates people, the what separates the reasonably successful from the ultra successful is mastery of, of people skills, which from Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People to whatever books you can find, I think it's it's very important to read those books. But I would say the single group Greatest people skill, and this is just from my observing my dad for the last eighty-three year, uh, not excuse me, ninety-three, almost ninety-four years. Uh, I would say that the single greatest people skill is a highly developed and authentic interest in the other person.
0: Beautiful! What a what a powerful way to end, Bob. As I mentioned before. I've been writing and writing because the nuggets keep coming. Uh, This is so much fantastic information. One of the reasons I got into into podcasting in particular is because I wanted to have the opportunity to have these kinds of authentic conversations with uh, thought leaders and uh, experts in the field. Thank you so much for coming on to Lead to Succeed Nation. Thank you for giving us all of this insight. I certainly hope to continue the conversation at a later time.
1: I'd love that. Honored to be with you.
0: Today's leadership quote is, leadership is practiced not so much in words as An attitude and in actions. Harold S. Janine. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you could lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to head over to impactfulcoaching.com where you can sign up for our blog, download a free leadership ebook, and so much more. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.